Welcome to Top of the Game with Javier Sade, where we talk to amazing people that are shaping the world. These lightning round talks explore what makes remarkable leaders tick. Thinkers and doers pushing humankind forward and at the top of their games. Impactful insights, global perspectives, valuable wisdom you can use every day in your life and work. This is Top of the Game. Enjoy today's episode. Here's Javier. The New Mainstream with Sol Trujillo. Sol is an international business executive whose singular accomplishments are at the top of the game and the embodiment of the American dream. This conversation explores how to dispense influence to change perceptions with facts. He served as CEO of three large cap global companies in the US, Europe, and APAC, namely US West, Orange, and Telstra. Media, telecom, digital, internet, innovation. All of it runs through his blood. He has also served in iconic company boards that include Bank of America, PepsiCo, Target, Western Union, and WPP. He also served as trade advisor to the Bush and Clinton administration and advises companies at Bain. He is co-founder and chairman of the Latino Donor Collaborative and co-founder and chairman of Latitude, which is taking place in beautiful Miami starting tomorrow, September 27th. So Trujillo, welcome. Thank you, Javier. Good to see you. So look, these uh, these shows highlight the very, very best around the world that actually shape that world. But you know, I like to start the show by asking a very simple question. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Well, first of all, my family's been here in the United States for almost 500 years. So when you ask where I'm from, this is my country. I grew up in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, my family's roots are in northern New Mexico. So, um, you know, this is my country. I've lived around the world. I've operated businesses around the world. And, but at the same time, I've always had my roots right here. America is a beautiful place. And we're both lucky, along with 350 million, to call it home. Your career is remarkable. You were... You were the first CEO of three global companies. You've been on the boards of Pepsi, Target, you name it. I mean, you've been at the very top of, uh, of the food chain. Um, and a lot of people have questions, always have questions about, well, how does, you know, in your case, how does a kid from Cheyenne end up in these amazing places? So what do you think your ingredients were that got you this kind of insane success? Well, um, I, I would have to say, first of all, I'm a competitor. I love sports, light sports, competed. And so competing is a big deal. But my real motivation was from my family. You know, my parents got married at an early age of 16, 14. They didn't, have, we didn't have much and they were struggling their whole life, you know, providing for their family and, you know, the things that we all want to have as we grow up. And I watched them And I said, there has to be an easier way. And the way that when I was going to school, I saw the kids that had the cars that had the clothes that had all the other stuff is because their parents were in business. You know, they own businesses or they worked in big businesses. So I decided I was going to major in business, even though I had no idea what it was. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what college was. My father didn't go to school. My mother went to sixth grade. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's that kind of story. But I was motivated motivated to essentially get into business and make my way. And then the last thing I'll just say very quickly is 
Once I got there, I went to work for the biggest company in the world called AT&T. My first year at the end of the year, I knew I wanted to become the CEO. And I knew how to work my butt off so that you can make things happen, whether people want you to do it or not. How old were you? I was uh, 21 years old. Remarkable. Um, and yeah, working hard trumps almost everything else, right? Grit, resilience, just business is about winning, putting a knife in your mouth and killing things. I mean, that's part for the course, but there's got to be there's got to be something else like John and wherever you end up, you, you succeed. Like what, what do you think is that secret ingredient or is there a secret ingredient? Well, well, I think, you know, you can't oversimplify it, but, but I guess one word is I've been driven. I've always wanted to be the best. So, you know, in running companies, I wanted my results to be the best of amongst my peers in the sectors that I competed in. I wanted our people to have the best opportunities to make money as companies were making money. I wanted my customers to get the latest, the most innovative products and services that made their lives better. And so innovation was part of my game uh, in all the companies that I've run. And you can look at wherever it was, whether it be in the US or in EMEA, you know, the, you know, Europe, Middle East, Africa, mm -hmm. or in the Asia PAC area. All the companies I run, we always innovated, we always outperformed, and it was about motivating people to win. So, you know, those of us that like sports, we might talk about the World Cup, we might talk about the Super Bowl, we might talk about a lot of things, but it's there are those equivalents in business. And for me, being bicultural in terms of growing up was a huge competitive advantage. And the second thing was, not knowing protocol, because when I started my career, I didn't know that you weren't supposed to say things in meetings. I didn't know a lot of things. I'm always a guy that says, I will turn a disadvantage into an advantage. But in retrospect, there are always these kind of amazing le learning experiences. And, you know, if you look at, again, the very best at what they do, Michael Jordan, the only reason he became the best is because he failed a lot. Um, and you kind of intimated at this. If you were to think at a, a a tough time, a tough problem. And I'm guessing you're going to bring up this issue that you work on now, the trying to, you know, communicate how important Hispanics are to the United States and the mainstream economy. But what has been something that was either frustrating or a failure? Just tell me something on the ugly side of the ledger. Well, on the ugly side of the ledger, early in my career, you know, my name was Trujillo. And if you saw me today, you wouldn't think that I had all the hair that I had back then. <laughs> and I used to dress, you know, like a person that was 21, 22, 23 years old. And I didn't fit into the gray suit or dark blue suit, white shirt and tie kind of mode. And so early in my career, I saw that people were getting promoted and moved up and all that. And they couldn't, you know, they couldn't deliver the kind of performance that I was. So I had to think back on, so what am I doing that doesn't make sense? And that's the point in time, and this is early in my career, my, probably my first, second year, I took control of my career. Mm -hmm. Because if I let it just happen, it wasn't going to happen because there were no people around like me named Trujillo. And I, I, it's not that I carried a chip on my shoulder, it's just that I looked for data. 
And so what I found was I needed to figure out my own career path. I needed to set targets and objectives that I knew were better than anything that anybody had ever done in the companies that I worked in. And then I went out to achieve them because back when I was growing up as the only Latino around, I had to be 10 times better, not two times better or three times better, I had to be 10 times better. You have to be 10 times better. So set your targets, don't worry about whether it's fair or not, just go do it. And then it, it drove me in every company when I got to be the CEO of making dramatic change. Change for shareholders, change for customers, change for the people that worked in the business. And also, you know, it was always about making it fun with innovation, changing the rules, changing the game. You are a maverick, which actually is a great segue. Well, let me let, let me double click on something. These amazing career running companies, all kinds of boards of the largest, most iconic companies in the world. And now you're doing something, changing the perception nationally of what it means to have this tapestry of amazing cultures in America. Can you can you tell a little bit to the listeners of the genesis of Latitude and LDC and what the point of this thing you call the mainstream economy is? Yes, uh, with pleasure. When I, when I was sitting in Australia running and doing a transformation of a company there, I was watching the news back home. And as I said at the very beginning, this is my country. It's not somebody else's, it's my country. My family has deep roots. But I saw something happening with Latinos in particular. Le legislation in, in Arizona that allowed for sanctioning of Latinos and profiling of them uniquely. And a guy named Sheriff Joe jailing people just because he wanted to and he got away with it. Then I saw this guy emerging named Donald Trump and I saw other people, this guy named Herman Cain that talked about building walls, but let's put up an electric wall so that if anybody tries climbing over it, they can be electrocuted and die. I'm watching that and I'm saying, no, 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 no. That's not the country I grew up in. I remember Ronald Reagan pointing to a Russian president, Soviet Union president and saying, take down that wall. And that's the heritage of America that I know. And if it's my country, I take that seriously. So I came back and I said, we got to change this. Got to change the brand of Latinos, which is that of bad people, criminals, people that are you know, living off the system, not contributing and all of that. And so we had launched the Latino Donor Collaborative, essentially Harry, Henry Cisneros and myself as co-chairs to begin with. And we took a different track. It wasn't about social policy. It wasn't about getting out the violin and playing it and saying, woe is me. It became a business imperative, which is I wanted to show the world, not just the United States, but the world that the Latino cohort was perhaps emerging as the most valuable growth cohort for sure in America, but also highly competitive around the world. So we started the LDC gathering data. Me just making an argument about my opinion doesn't mean anything. But if I can show it based on data, it becomes harder to, to uh, argue. And also I've learned in business that if you create win-win, then more people are accepting of those kinds of arguments and those kinds of narratives. What is and the data? Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but I think it's worthwhile you talking about the numbers. Well, we started gathering data about productivity of Latinos and where they're working and all that sort of thing, because 
people were saying they just come here, go on welfare and they're bad and they tie up schools and hospitals and all that. Yeah. So we started gathering data on that. We saw we hired the most conservative economic think tanks to do the studies. And we found that Latinos were the most productive cohort in America, period. And then we started doing other analyses on the cohort. But I decided at one point, probably about seven, eight years ago, that we were going to do a study around GDP. Because yeah. the one metric that is used anywhere in the world to measure the strength of an economy is gross domestic product. Yep. So I said, we're going to create one using the same criteria that you know, the federal government and the state governments use in measuring GDP, except we're, we're going to do it for Latinos. And the answer essentially was we created it and people were shocked with the first study. And since then, now the sixth year, next week, uh, on September 27th, we will be announcing the new GDP report. And as they'd like to say in Australia, it's gobsmacking. And we're going to keep on cascading down the kind of detail that businesses can use, po political leaders can use, everybody can use, and also that Latinos can see. And when they look in the mirror, they're going to see themselves as maybe a foot taller than they thought they were. And they're going to have better dance moves than they thought they had. Because, <laughs> because, because it is so compelling, Javier. Oh, I know. I Look, I mean, those numbers that you put out, I know that we're talking near $3 trillion of GDP contribution, 60-some million Americans, soon to be 100 million, which for those that are math impaired is about 30% of the population in a, in a few years, changing the rubric through which we look at ourselves, but not only us, but our fellow Americans in the world. I want to correct two things. The last study showed that the Latino GDP was at $2.8 trillion, mm -hmm. which made it bigger than India, which made it the fifth largest economy in the world if it were a standalone country. I've spent the last eight hours talking to five CEOs of major companies in the country. It's not trying to explain it to people. People are saying, okay, so how do I take advantage of it? Yeah, you're, you're past that. Thank you for correcting me. It's even better than, than I mentioned. So thank you. And also it's no longer a, let me see the data. Now it's like, holy crap, I'm missing the boat here, which is really where you want, where you want the, uh, the fortune 500s and this amazing economy to go. But, um, I will have you back on a much longer conversation, but I, I have to say, um, what is your favorite comfort food? Um, because my roots of my family are from New Mexico, I love New Mexican green chili, red chili, con papitas y frijoles, tortillas. <laughs> so are you a red guy, a green guy, or a Christmas guy? I know that's a big question in New Mexico. The answer is very simple. Los dos. Love it. Well, Saul, thank you very much for taking a little time. Well, Javier, thank you. And I appreciate everything that you're doing as well. So thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. For information and links about today's guests, check out the show notes and visit topofthegame-thepod.com. Your host, Javier Sade, the show Top of the Game. Thanks for listening.